Hello, this is Dr. Grace Lufarm D, and today we'll be mapping Bifidobacterium on the 15-minute matrix. Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. I'm Andrea Nakayama, functional medicine nutritionist and your host. This is the podcast that brings you bite-sized insights and lessons on the clinical relevance of the functional nutrition matrix, the most important tool in functional medicine and functional nutrition. The matrix is so important not only because it invites us to stop and assess, but also because it reminds us of three very important factors in our care, our recommendations, and our outcomes. Everything is connected, we are all unique, and all things matter. Be sure to head over to this episode's show notes at 15minutematrix.com if you'd like to see today's topic mapped on a downloadable matrix to remind you of these critical aspects of care. Today on the 15 Minute Matrix, I'll be speaking with Dr. Grace Liu. Dr. Grace Liu, PharmD, is an IFM-trained functional medicine practitioner and founder of the Gut Institute. She is a clinical pharmacist with a doctorate in practice for over 20 years and specializes in complex disease management. Dr. Liu consults and helps clients gain optimal performance through rebuilding the microbiome after damage from modern living. She uses nutrigenomic tools and other advanced functional lab testing to give the solution strategies and treatments that reverse modern gut dysbiosis and disease. Dr. Liu, welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. Thank you so much for having me. I love you so much, Andrea. Thank oh, you. Oh my gosh. I just was joking with you how long I've been chasing you to talk about this topic. <laughs> so I'm thrilled to have you here. Awesome. We can talk about poo anytime, any day, although it may offend a lot of people out there. But I know our practitioners, of course, right? Like your practitioners will love this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We always want to talk about poo. Topic of conversation. And today we're going to get into a factor of poo by talking about the bifidobacterium. And I'm wondering if you can help us out by getting a bit nerdy and first classifying the different families or genus of bacterium so that we can see where bifidobacterium sits in the broader picture. Oh, yes, of course. So we have basically gram-negative, gram-positive in our prokaryotic world. So the kingdoms of life, you know, we have prions, I'm not sure where they go, right? And then we have basically eukaryotic and prokaryotic life forms. In the eukaryotic kingdom, we have plants and animals and actually fungi. So, you know, we're always like pro, you know, let's have a mold safe environment, fungi safe, candida safe environment, right? But the therapies that we use for these, you know, pretty pathogenic things are also toxic to us because we're in the same kingdom together. So prokaryotes are bacterial, bacteria. And then we have eukaryotic, which is fungi, plants and animals, basically. Those are our main kingdoms. And then when we drill down prokaryote bacterial, that's when we look at the whole like phylogeny, right, of our bacteria. And there's a hundred trillion bacteria in our gut. And we have some main groups, 
bifido is actually part of gram positive. Same with lactose. Some of our first ones that we could view in a microscope and study are bifidobacteria and lactobacillus. And they're our first probiotics, including E. coli too. So E. coli is part of the gram negative. And there's a lot of them. These are called coliforms. You know, when you evacuate a pool because some little boy or girl pooped in there or leaked their diaper in there, right? That's because of coliforms. And the major one is pathogenic is E. coli. And they can measure the count because you're you know, kind of toxic. You don't want your sewage leaking into your swimming pool and then drinking it because you'll get sick. And so a lot of third world countries, they have dysentery. They have the most, you know, non-hygienic, you know, a lot of places you can't really open your mouth in the shower or brush your teeth with tap water. You'll get sick. It's called Bali belly, right? Or just Montezuma's revenge. Not fun at all. And studies show, of course, bifidobacteria like our probiotic, Bifidomaximus, will protect against that. If you take enough at a high enough dose, uh, enough frequency, and you have a pretty decent gut microbiome, you're not going to get any of these like Montezuma revenge or Traverse diarrhea. There's also Chinese medicine that really helps. And I love Chinese medicine if people have studied it because it's ancient. We know it works. Same with Korean medicine, Japanese ancient medicine, Mediterranean or Middle East or Native American like ancient medicines, because a lot of their botanicals are also prebiotics. This is the special fuel and fiber for bifido and lacto. And actually, it turns out many of the other protective core microbiome. So good. I love how we got really into the broad and then went to the specific. And in the bifido family, there are different strains, right? And some of them are beneficial and some of them aren't beneficial. Yeah. So uh, if you guys like Seinfeld and the opposite world, there's like the other world, the mirror image world. Um, right, so for every really right. toxic strain, we have three to five protective strains that are cousins. So you got the evil twin, right? Adam and his brother. We have like the other version. Right. So talk about those different versions. If we were to talk about the ones we would be looking for in the bifido strains, what are those positive ones that we're thinking about? Yeah. So any of the probiotic ones are pretty positive, but the problem is that what they eat, it defines also what they are and their genetics and how protective they are. We teach like why certain probiotic strains are more potent and healthier for us. And it has to do with whether they're part of a consortium known as the MAM, MAM, the microbiome associated uh, microbiome, microbiota. And of the bifidos, it turns out like 85% of the bifido right against our mucosal membrane. So this is like what protects us from the blood, you know, from them entering the blood and keeping the gut tight rather than leaky, right? 80, 70%, depending on the study you look at, is bifidobacteria longum. So we have the highest industry strength for bifidobacteria longum in our bifidomaximus probiotic and our microbiome mojo probiotic. It's literally in a healthy individual. The MAM, when you look at bifido, which is like 0.5 to 1% of all the flora in the MAM, it's about nearly all bifidobacteria longum. And they didn't really cross look at reference in studies like the age, but basically bifido longum is part of our lifespan from birth, okay, like coming out of the mom's vaginal canal, if you're a vaginal baby, right, all the way to centenarian. And the centenarians that are healthy without chronic conditions or cancer, they have a great majority of their bifido as bifido longum. And longum, hence, actually is found, was first discovered um, in older lived people who have no diseases. And I think it was in Japan. And Longum means, you know, it has to do with longevity. So it's very, very special. And we don't have it. When we look at Western women, UCD has some studies. They're looking at mom's breast milk and the microbiome there. Because breast milk isn't sterile. It's full of bacteria and prebiotics. Human milk oligosaccharide is the prebiotic, the fiber in there for babies. The bacteria in there is a reflection of the mom's gut because it's all linked together through the lymph. You know, it's just like Facebook or Instagram. We're all linked together. Yes. <laughs> the same with our bacteria too. What's in the vaginal bladder and baby 
placenta uh, is a reflection of what's going on in the gut and the breast too. Breast milk is super important. It's a reflection of the gut. So babies now are not getting bifidobacteria long and vertically transmitted from mom because mom doesn't even have it. We've had so much antibiotic damage. And in Europe, they do. So the difference between Western world and America, because we've had antibiotics sooner and also in our domestic feed and given to animals to plump them up, make them fat, metabolic, versus Europe, which don't use so much antibiotics or pesticides until more recently, there's a vast difference in the microbiome. I was going to ask you about some of those antecedents when we think about the bifidobacterium age being one of them that I've read about, that it decreases with age, but also with all the triggers that you're talking about. But also we see reduced levels of bifido in a lot of people with IBD and celiac. And so there seem to be populations of people who are depleted. Exactly. It's a dramatic risk factor. Like we count all these risk factors, like low HDO, high triglyceride. BMI, the terrain is a big part we're understanding now more and more. There's a whole ecosystem there and we can do all the lifestyles, but you can't resurrect what's not there. Like a calming bifidolongum that helps produce serotonin and GABA and regulate that. That's like key. And some people need it even more. Like when we go into epigenetics, right? I have a couple FUT2 SNPs. We are all familiar with MTHFR that, you know, that's a pretty messed up system and all the MTRRs. Wow, FUT2 is really special, you know. It does evade. There's a statistically higher percentage of long-term non-regressors for HIV. Like they survive despite HIV positive because HIV can't latch on. And then same with norovirus, which kills children and elderly because gastroenteritis, that's so bad. It can kill someone. But the virus cannot latch on because FUT2 designates what fibers are in the mucosal lining. So studies show these people also have less bifolongum. But it's protective against certain, you know, immune defenses for certain immune defenses that can kill people. So let's move over to that central part of the functional nutrition matrix where we're talking about the things that we see manifest when that terrain is, I mean, it's everything really, but I'm wondering if you've seen certain conditions that are more often than not associated with low levels of bifido in particular. So when you drill into the PubMed literature, it's every disease that we know of every chronic condition, every metabolic disease, every cancer. And I love bifolongum because we love like PDE2 drugs. You know, they supposedly help melanoma and different cancers. What studies show is when they gave bifidolongum and maybe one or two other probiotic bacteria to animal models, it was equivalent to protecting against melanoma compared to the drug. And it was really to how high the bifolongum is. We also see the same kind of studies in Asperger's and ADHD and uh, Spectrum. Like the more the bifolongum, the better protection statistically linked to the protection against a disease. Same also, particularly with FMT success. When we see bifido, I teach on the ABCs actually. There's acromancia, which is amazing probiotic now and uh, protective because it also is part of that core, that MAM, mucosa associated microbiome, bifolongum, and then butyrate producers. So clostridiolus is the big group. It's nearly 40, 60% of our gut microbiome. They're butyrate producers. And when we miss any of them, so the names that belong there are like Roseburia, Fecalibacterium prausnitzi, just to name a couple. When we're missing those, all of them are related to a chronic disease. So it may not be one, but it's this consortium. They feed each other also. They cross-feed each other. 
Right. So important that terrain, as you mentioned, like really just thinking through how, and I love that you labeled the ABCs there because that gets into what do we do about it, right? It's not a one and done. It's not a protocol. It's very bio-individual. If we're thinking about the factors in diet and lifestyle, including supplementation, can you talk a little bit about how you go about that when you've either tested or just suspect, which it sounds like we can that bifido is depleted? Absolutely. So there's a lot of correlations with what's overgrowing. And we have a lot of great testing to look at overgrowth. Some give us specific species names, like a GI map, let's say, or a CDSA, when they culture CDSA tests with parasite parasitology. However, they do miss a lot of the major pathogens. One of the major pathogens is the eukaryotic fungi. So I like the organic acid test. There's a really super cheap one from Great Plains, super cheap, easy to run. I know Genova has more organics now. A lot of testing is starting to have organic testing. Those are great. You know, I like to look at oxalates. So it's really helpful to look at that because the eukaryotes make oxalates. This is outside of kale and spinach, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah. And these calcify. So when we have the start of a cyst like PCOS, you know, or fibroids and endometrial, you know, inflammation, breasts, fibrocystic breasts, they all start off as calcifications of oxalates. It has nothing to do with spinach and kale. It's from fungi, the family of fungi. And what's missing is at least a couple species of bifido, if not more. For instance, in our probiotic bifido maximus, I formulate it because we have several species in there, at least five that are endogenously are oxalate degrading species. Studies show like after a lot of antibiotics, people become more stone formers and they're statistically missing these bifido. Or there's other studies that show there's a higher oxalate in the urine after these species go missing. And when we're missing them, we can't break down the oxalates that are produced by mold and candida and fungi, which naturally happen. You know, we all have some but the key is the balance of it, right? And what the consequences are when the balance is off. So there's good bifido. They eat inulin and mucus. So oligosaccharide eating, degrading, fermenting bifido. And then there's the starch eaters. This is why a lot of people do do well on lower carb and keto because they're missing the inulin and mucus eating, fermenting bifido. And so a common probiotic, which I wouldn't necessarily use a high amount, but is bifidobacteria adolescentins or bifidobacteria anomalous. These are easy to remember. They're the AAs, but they're not so great for us because they eat starch and sugar and not so much FODMAPs and mucus. We want them eating more mucus. And so they can thrive when the gut gets tighter and heals and has the right amount of mucus, right? But sadly, you know, a lot of our probiotics, they're made with cheaper kind of species. So they're full of more of those that aren't so great for people until the balance is better. So much good wisdom, Dr. Liu. If you were able to tell practitioners anything and just a sound bite, and I, I want to ask about the bugs, not drugs, but is that your sound bite, bugs, not drugs? And how do we dive into that? We have to look at the whole picture, right? That's why I love your training, Andrea. It's so amazing, so holistic, right? So when we put together a protocol at the Good Institute, it includes uh, mainly three things. And it's nervous system, okay? So how do we best get the vagal nerve back up again? Obviously, there's something off when people have gut problems. It may or may not be detectable. We don't have the best ways to detect that now. So that's why you know, acupuncture and yoga, right? Breathing exercise, Wim Hof, but not so much extremes like cold and hot. Okay. But what I love is like, I'm a fan of psychedelica. So we can retrain our mindset, you know, get better paradigms, let go of things that don't serve us anymore. Right. 
they may have helped during times of stress, but if we're not under stress anymore, let go of those paradigms if they're, you know, so some people are still stuck in stress, you know, because of certain precognitions, trauma. So before age six or seven and postcognition, you know, trauma or relationship issues and they don't get their needs met the way they need. That is a big problem for gut problems. It literally like instantly breaks the gut just like a concussion would. Yeah. And they're still dealing with that. So it's really good to work with the right practitioners, even consider psychedelica. Newsweek just had an amazing front page about like how great mushrooms are compared to SSRIs and other, you know, synthetic drugs. So nervous system is really important. You know, modalities like I think it's DNRS or neurooptimal, getting the brain back online. So we also have different exercises we have our clients consider, like standing on one leg, yoga, meditation, um, brushing your teeth, like standing on one leg, gagging, gargling, all those kind of things. Get the vagal nerve back up in the best you know way possible. Second, yeah, it's resurrect the flora. We like to go through four phases with people, resurrecting the core microbiome, the ABCs, as we're doing all that with either targeted prebiotics and a lot of probiotics. So probiotics are you know just like a lot of things in life, right? The dose is in the poison. Well, the panacea, the cure is also in the dose. And we'll often use one trillion a day of probiotic. It's rather unheard of, but you have to do that because that's how you can get these like little critters to stick and anchor where they need to go. Lastly, it's root issues. Again, it goes back to complex PTSD or really high toxic burden. You know, some of our clients come to us because they're not just FUT2 positive for various SNPs, but they're also APOE4. You know, they've got multiple glutathione SNPs. They're semi-train wrecks, right? Or full-on train wrecks. So we help them. Like they have gone through many practitioners, excellent, excellent, well-known name practitioners, but not getting any of the results that they really need to see. And they see it with us because we're doing different concurrent protocols that are customized to their root issues. We do some deep talks. And I found that the way we set boundaries, you know, how we love ourselves really has a big impact on our gut. Huge. Yeah. Yeah. Huge, huge, huge. And if we can heal a lot, you know, help help them to be aware. Sometimes 98% of healing is just the awareness of it. Yeah, there's that like tier one, what we like to think of as tier one, tier two, right? Issues like they're they're often bypassed by a lot of medical practitioners. And then the person is stuck in cycles of not healing the protocols. You know, when we get the people when the protocols don't work because their body isn't even ready for it, right? So yeah, it's that concurrent work that needs to be done mind, body, spirit. (laughs) Exactly. They need to have, you know, the framework infrastructure, the nourishment, just like a plant, the sun and good air, water. And then the root system has to be super built up. The foundation of safety, the foundation of like the sinking of the nervous system and safety. Dr. Liu, thank you so much. I'm going to have to have you back. There's so much more to discuss with you. I really appreciate you sharing all of your wisdom with us today, but also all of those that you're training, clients, patients, clinicians alike. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This was amazing. Thank you for letting me share. And so awesome. and such a sacred privilege to be on your show. The 15-Minute Matrix is brought to you by me, Andrea Nakayama, and the Functional Nutrition Alliance. Check out the latest in functional nutrition at functionalnutritionlab.com forward slash blog. The 15-Minute Matrix is produced, mixed, and edited by Rowan Bradley with production support from Natalie Merrill and the team at the Functional Nutrition Alliance. 
You can find episodes on all kinds of topics with more incredible guests at our podcast website, 15minutematrix.com. And if you'd like to be notified by email each week about our podcast releases, head on over to 15minutematrix.com forward slash notify. Also, please feel free to get in touch with us. We would love to hear your thoughts, your feedback, and who you'd like to hear next on the podcast. You can email us at ask at 15minutematrix.com. 